0: Latter-day Saints, awaken to our awful situation. Tonight we'll start in Ether chapter 6, verses 2 through 3. For it came to pass that the Lord had prepared the stones which the brother of Jared had carried up into the mount. And the brother of Jared came down out of the mount, and he did put forth the stones into the vessels which were prepared, one in each end thereof. And behold, they did give light unto the vessels. And thus the Lord caused stones to shine in darkness, to give light unto men, women, and children, that they might not cross the great waters in darkness. And may I say that this is a perfect metaphor for taking the Holy Spirit as our guide. Therefore, we find the truth and are not deceived as we travel through this life which is filled with darkness. But God offers us light. And verse 9. And they did sing praises unto the Lord. Yea, the brother of Jared did sing praises unto the Lord. And he did thank and praise the Lord all the day long. And when the night came, they did not cease to praise the Lord. Verse 12. And they did land upon the shore of the promised land. And when they had set their feet upon the shores of the promised land, they bowed themselves down upon the face of the land and they did humble themselves before the Lord and did shed tears of joy before the Lord because of the multitude of his tender mercies over them. And verse 16, and the friends of Jared and his brother were in number about twenty and two souls, and they also begat sons and daughters. Therefore, they came to the promised land and therefore they began to be many and they were taught to walk humbly before the Lord. And they were also taught from on high. And verses 22 through 30. And it came to pass that the people desired of them that they should anoint one of their sons to be a king over them. And now behold, this was grievous unto them. And the brother of Jared said unto them, surely this thing leadeth into captivity. But Jared said unto his brother, suffer them that they may have a king. And therefore he said unto them, choose ye out from among our sons a king, even whom ye will. And it came to pass that they chose even the firstborn of the brother of Jared. And his name was Pagag. And it came to pass that he refused and would not be their king. And the people would that his father should constrain him, but his father would not. And he com- and he commanded them that they should constrain no man to be their king. And it came to pass that they chose all the brothers of Pagag. And they would not. And it came to pass that neither would the sons of Jared, even all save it were one. And Orihah was anointed to be king over the people. And he began to reign and the people began to prosper and they became exceedingly rich. And it came to pass that Jared died and his brother also. And it came to pass that Orihah did humbly walk before the Lord and did remember how great things the Lord had done for his father and also taught his people how great things the Lord had done for their fathers. Chapter 7, verse 23. And in the reign of Shul there came prophets among the people who were sent from the Lord, prophesying that the wickedness and idolatry of the people was bringing a curse upon the land, and they should be destroyed if they did not repent. And it came to pass that the people did revile against the prophets and did mock them. And it came to pass that King Shul did execute judgment against all those who did revile against the prophets. And he did execute a law throughout all the land, which gave power unto the prophets, that they should go whithersoever they would. And by this cause, the people were brought unto repentance. And because the people did repent of their iniquities and idolatries, the Lord did spare them. And they began to prosper again in the land. And it came to pass that Shul begat sons and daughters in his old age. And there were no more wars in the land of Shul in the days of Shul. And he remembered the great things that the Lord had done for his fathers in bringing them across the great deep into the promised land. Wherefore, he did execute judgment in righteousness all his days. And a quick review in Ether chapter 2 of the requirements that the Lord sets upon the people that are to inhabit this land of North America. And in verse seven of Ether chapter two, and the Lord would not suffer that they should stop beyond the sea in the wilderness, but he would that they should come forth even unto the land of promise, which was choice above all other lands, which the Lord God had preserved for a righteous people. And he had sworn in his wrath unto the brother of Jared that whoso would possess this land of promise from that time henceforth and forever should serve him the true and only God for they should be or they should be swept off when the fullness of his wrath should come upon them. And now we can behold the decrees of God concerning this land that it is a land of promise and whatsoever nation shall possess it shall serve God or they shall be swept off when the fullness of his wrath shall come upon them and the fullness of his wrath come upon them when they are ripened in iniquity. For behold, this is a land which is choice above all other lands. Wherefore, he that doth possess it shall serve God or shall be swept off, for it is the everlasting decree of God that it is not until the fullness of iniquity among the children of of this land that they are swept off. And this cometh unto you, O ye Gentiles, or O ye members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that ye may know the decree of God, that ye may repent and not continue in your iniquities. For Moroni saw our day, and he saw the iniquities of the members of the church, and he provided a specific warning that we may be left without excuse when this destruction comes upon us, that ye may not bring down the fullness of the wrath of God upon you, as in the inhabitants of the day of the land have hitherto done. Behold, this is a choice land, and whatsoever nation shall possess it shall be free from bondage and from captivity, and from all other nations under heaven, if they will but serve the God of the land, who is Jesus Christ, who hath been manifest by the things which we have written. Back to Ether 8. Starting in verse 1, and it came to pass that he begat Omer, and Omer reigned in his stead, and Omer begat Jared, and Jared begat sons and daughters, and now follow Jared and his posterity and the formation of the secret combinations from days of old. And Jared rebelled against his father and came and dwelt in the land of Heth. And it came to pass that he did flatter many people because of his cunning words until he had gained half the kingdom. And when he had gained half of the kingdom, he gave battle unto his father and to carry his father into captivity and to make him serve in captivity. And now in the days of the reign of Omer, he was in captivity half of his days. And it came to pass that he begat sons and daughters, among whom were Ezrom and Coriantumr, And they were exceedingly angry because of the doings of Jared, their brother in so much that they did raise an army and gave battle unto Jared. And it came to pass that they did give battle unto him by night. And it came to pass that when they had slain the army of Jared, they were about to slay him also. And he pled with them that they would not slay him. And he would give up the kingdom unto his father. And it came to pass that they did grant unto him his life. And now Jared became exceedingly sorrowful because of the loss of the kingdom. For he had set his heart upon the kingdom and upon the glory of the world. Now the daughter of Jared, being exceedingly expert, seeing the sorrows of her father, thought to devise a plan whereby she could redeem the kingdom unto her father. Now the daughter, daughter of Jared was exceedingly fair, and it came to pass that she did talk with her father and said unto him, Whereby hath my father so much sorrow? Hath he not read the record which our fathers brought across the great deep? Behold, is there not an account concerning them of old that they by their secret plans did obtain kingdoms? And great glory. And now, therefore, let my father send Akish the son of Kimnor. And behold, I am fair, and I will dance before him, and I will please him that he will desire me to wife. Wherefore he shall desire of thee that ye shall give unto him me to wife. Then shall ye say, I will give her if ye will bring unto me the head of my father the king. And now, Omer was a friend to Akish. Wherefore, when Jared had sent for Akish, the daughter. Of Jared danced before him that she pleased him, insomuch that he desired her to wife. And it came to pass that he said unto Jared, give her, give her unto me to wife. And Jared said unto him, I will give her unto you if you will bring unto me the head of my father, the king. And it came to pass that Achish gathered in unto the house of Jared all his kinfolk, and said unto them, Will ye swear unto me that ye will be faithful unto me in the thing which I shall desire of you. And it came to pass that they all sware unto him by the God of heaven, and also by the heavens, and also the earth, and by their heads, that whoso should vary from the assistance which Akish desired should lose his head, and whoso should divulge whatsoever thing Akish made known unto them, the same should lose his life. And it came to pass that they did agree with Akish, and Akish did administer unto them the oaths which were given by them of old who also sought power, which had been handed down even from Cain, who was a murderer from the beginning. And they were kept up by the power of the devil to administer these oaths unto the people to keep them in darkness, to help such as sought power to gain power and to murder and to plunder and to lie and to commit all manner of wickedness and whoredoms. And it was the daughter of Jared, who put it into his heart to search up these things of old. And Jared put it into the heart of Akish, wherefore Akish administered it unto his kindred and friends, leading them away by fair promises to do whatsoever thing he desired. And it came to pass that they formed a secret combination, even as they of old, which combination is most abominable and wicked above all in the sight of God. For the Lord worketh not in secret combinations, neither neither doth he will that man should shed blood. But in all things hath forbidden it from the beginning of man. And now I, Moroni, do not write the manner of their oaths and combinations. For it hath been made known unto me that they are had among all people, and they are had among the Lamanites. And they have caused the destruction of this people of whom I am now speaking, and also the destruction of the people of Nephi and whatsoever nation shall uphold such secret combinations to get power and gain, until they shall spread over the nation. Behold, they shall be destroyed. For the Lord will not suffer that the blood of his saints, which shall be shed by them, shall always cry unto him from the ground for vengeance upon them, and yet he avenged them not. Wherefore, O ye members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Gentiles, It is wisdom in God that these things should be shown unto you, that thereby ye may repent of your sins. (laughs) Now, as we go through this text, I would ask you to ask, Father, what are the sins that Moroni is referring to after having just shown us the work and the establishment of secret combinations? And why would he specifically call out the Latter-day Saints and call us to repentance in the middle of introducing the secret combination? That they should be shown unto you, that thereby you may repent of your sins and suffer not these murderous combinations shall get above you. Now Moroni is talking specifically to the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. that they shall not get above you is in the context of authority in church office, which are built up to get power and gain. And the work, even the work of destruction come upon you. Even the sword of the justice of the eternal God shall fall upon you to your overthrow and destruction. If you shall suffer these things to be, if Moroni is a true prophet, and I testify that he is, and if these are the words of God, which I testify that they are, if we, the Latter-day Saints, allow these things to be among us and to get, am- and to get above us in church office and in church authority, God has no option but to work the work of destruction upon us. As Moroni says, Yea, even the work of destruction come upon you. Yea, even the sword of the justice of the eternal God shall fall upon you to your overthrow and destruction, if you shall suffer these things to be. Wherefore, the Lord commandeth you when you shall see these things come among you, not if. But when? That you shall awake to a sense of your awful situation because of the secret combination which shall be among you. Or woe be unto it because of the blood of them who have been slain, for they cry from the dust for vengeance upon it and also upon those who build it up. Now, as a cross reference, I reference message of the first presidency of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. Sent Thursday, August 12th, to church members around the world, dear brothers and sisters, we find ourselves fighting a war against the ravages of COVID-19 and its variants in unrelenting pandemic. An unrelenting pandemic. We want to do all that we can to limit the spread of these viruses. We know that protection from the disease. We know that protection from the diseases they cause can only be achieved by immunizing a very high percentage of the population. That's curious. The gods, prophets, seers, and revelators would declare that the only way to protect from the ravages of COVID-19 are through immunizations goes on to say, to limit exposure to these viruses, we urge the use of face masks in public meetings whenever social distancing is not possible. To provide personal protection from such severe infections, we urge individuals to be vaccinated. Available vaccines have proven to be both safe and effective. We can win this war if everyone, will follow the wise and thoughtful recommendations of medical experts and government leaders. And I would ask, what about God and what about the Spirit? Please know of our sincere love and great concern for all of God's children, the First Presidency, Russell M. Nelson, Dallin H. Oaks, and Henry B. Eyring. Cross-reference, 3rd Nephi 16.10. And thus commandeth the Father that I should say unto you. Here, Christ is declaring to the Nephites that Father has commanded him to declare the following about the restoration of the fullness of the gospel in the end times through Joseph Smith. At that day when the Gentiles shall sin against my gospel and reject the fullness of my gospel. Now, the fullness of Christ's gospel or the terrestrial order of the gospel was restored to Joseph Smith in 1829 when he had been ordained and sealed to the first order, the apostolic order of Melchizedek priesthood, and thus opened a new dispensation. And it began to be possible again by entering into the new covenant of a broken heart, contrite spirit to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And then to be instructed about how to part the veil and enter into the rest of the Lord. That is the design and purpose of the fullness of the gospel. Now, this is an example of this. We find in DNC 84, verse 23. After just talking about the power of Godliness being manifest unto men in the flesh in verses 20 and 21 which is the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now this Moses taught to the children of Israel in the wilderness and sought diligently to sanctify his people that they might behold the face of God. This is what the fullness of the gospel does. It seeks to sanctify the people through the new covenant of broken heart and contrite spirit that they might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, that they then might go on feasting upon the words of Christ or overcoming by faith to be instructed about how to part the veil and enter into the rest of the Lord, which rest is the fullness of his glory. So going back to third Nephi chapter 16, verse 10 at that day, when the Gentiles shall sin against my gospel and shall reject the fullness of my gospel. So rejecting the fullness of the gospel is rejecting the very covenant by which a man, a woman, or a people might receive that sanctification, the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, which prepares them to enter into the rest of the Lord. And regarding this rejection, if we go back to DNC 84, starting in verse 54, and your minds in times past have been darkened, and this revelation is given in 1832. Your minds and times have been darkened because of unbelief and because you have treated lightly the things that you have received, which vanity and unbelief have brought the whole church under condemnation. The whole church during Joseph Smith's day by 1832 is under condemnation. Now, we did receive a warning in... Before the church was even established and it's recorded in the book of commandments. And this is book of commandments, um, which we had until the 1835 publication of the doctrine and covenants. Um, It's given in March, 1829. So even before the priesthood is restored to Joseph Smith and he opens a new dispensation verse 5 of section 4 verses 5 and 6 and thus if the people of this generation harden not their hearts i will work a reformation a reformation among them i will establish my church like unto the church which was taught by my disciples in the days of old or In other words, the fullness of the gospel, the terrestrial order of the gospel, the Church of Christ, which is exactly the order of the gospel that Christ established um, during his mortal ministry. And notice that he is talking in the future tense. And we're only a few months away from that establishment. And now if this generation do harden their hearts against my word behold I will deliver them up unto Satan for he reigneth and hath much power at this time for he hath not for he hath got great hold upon the hearts of the people of this generation and not far from the iniquities of Sodom and Gomorrah do they come at this time and behold the sword of justice hangeth over their heads And I would hearken back to the words of Moroni in Ether 2 about the requirement for a people to live upon this land. The sword of justice hangeth over their heads, and if they persist in the hardness of their hearts, which is the opposite of a broken heart and contrite spirit, the time cometh that it must fall upon them. Behold, I tell you these things, even as I also told the people of the destruction of Jerusalem, and my word shall be verified at this time as it hath hitherto been verified. And may I say, we are looking down the barrel of that gun with what is being presented to us in the COVID-19 vaccine and the vaccine passport, which is coming To this nation. So going back to DNC 84, the prophecy given to Joseph Smith back in March 1829, recorded in the Book of Commandments, um, section 4, verses 5 and 6, begins to be fulfilled in 1832. When we demonstrate that we harden our hearts, Instead of entering into the new covenant of a broken heart and contract spirit. Verse fifty five, DNC eighty four, which vanity and unbelief have brought the whole church under condemnation, and this condemnation resteth upon the children of Zion even all. And they shall remain under this condemnation until until they repent and remember the new covenant, even in the book of Mormon. For there was a scribal error and one word was left out, and it was the word in, and it changes everything. And it is proven out in the next verse that this word was left out. Even in the Book of Mormon and the former commandments, which I have given them not only to say, but to do according to that which I've written. Now, a covenant with God is comprised of two oaths. An oath which man gives to God and an oath which God gives back to man. And this oath that man is to give God is given by Christ in 3 Nephi chapter 9, verse 20. And here is man's oath, which we are to make to God to enter into the new and everlasting covenant. And ye shall offer for a sacrifice unto me a broken heart and contrite spirit. And whoso cometh unto me with a broken heart and contrite spirit, him will I baptize with fire and with the Holy Ghost. God's oath back to man is that when we do offer up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit, he will baptize us with fire and with the Holy Ghost, which does not come at the time of confirmation into the eldest Church. Back to D.N.C. 84, verse 58. That they may bring forth fruit meat for their father's kingdom. Now we have many allegories and parables about good fruit in the scriptures and nearly every single one bringing forth good fruit means that a man, a woman, or a people have received the baptism of fire baptism of the Holy ghost and thus become his sons and his daughters. So God is telling us that we, the Latter-day saints as of 1832 must repent and return because of our failure to enter into the new covenant in the Book of Mormon, even that of a broken heart and contrite spirit that we might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. But says that if we do repent and return, that we will yet bring forth fruit meat for our Father's kingdom, or that we will yet receive that endowment of power, which God reserves for his people in every open dispensation. Otherwise, there remaineth a scourge and a judgment to be poured out upon the children of Zion. So, it can get worse than condemnation. And the Lord promises, if we don't repent and return, we will come um, from condemnation to scourge and judgment. For shall the children of the kingdom pollute my holy land? Verily I say unto you, Nay. So going back to third Nephi chapter 16, verse 10, this was the fulfillment or the beginning fulfillment of the prophecy that Christ gave to the Nephites regarding the restoration of the fullness of his gospel through Joseph Smith at that day when the Gentiles saw sin against my gospel and shall reject the fullness of my gospel while rejecting the fullness of the gospel. um, There are two major hallmarks. The first is in May, 1834, when Christ took his name out of the church and we were demoted from the terrestrial order of the gospel to the preparatory gospel, just like the children of Israel before us outlined in DNC 84. But even then, the Lord gave us chance after chance after chance to repent and return and receive back everything that had been taken from us the very last time being in Nauvoo and recorded in DNC 124. So in Nauvoo, the Lord said, If you, my people, will repent and return, I will. Fight your battles and you will not be driven out of Nauvoo. And I will allow you to finish the Nauvoo temple in the time that has been allotted for its completion. And I will restore the Melchizedek priesthood to you, which had been taken from us in May 1834. And that's what happens when you're demoted from the fullness of the gospel to the preparatory gospel. Now, a side note, no, it wasn't taken away from Joseph or the handful who are true and faithful with him in the holy order. But that didn't apply to 99.8% of the church. So he would restore the Melchizedek priesthood that had been taken away from the majority of the church um, in the Nauvoo temple. The requirement was that the saints would repent and return, and then that temple would be completed. That they might receive the endowment of power which he had prepared for his people, even that of the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, that they then might go on from there to be instructed about how to part the veil and enter into his presence, which presence is the fullness of his glory. And the symbol that they had repented and returned is that we would finish the Navu Temple in that period of time that had been appointed. And if we would not repent and return, the Lord says that we would stand rejected as a church with our dead. So starting in verse 28. For there is not a place found on earth that he may come to and restore again that which was lost unto you, or which he hath taken away even the fullness of the priesthood. That fullness of the priesthood is the first order of Melchizedek priesthood. Which had been taken away in 1834. But he's letting the saints know that he's willing to restore it and the fullness of the gospel. But this time, a temple is required. Verse 31. But I command you, all ye my saints, to build a house unto me. And I grant unto you a sufficient time to build a house unto me. And during this time, your baptism shall be acceptable unto me. But behold, at the end of this appointment, your baptisms for your dead shall not be acceptable unto me. And if you do not these things at the end of the appointment, ye shall be rejected as a church with your dead. Thus saith the Lord your God. I ask you, can God lie? If God cannot lie, if the saints did not finish the Navu Temple, then we did, in fact, stand rejected as a church with our dead. Well, the Navu Temple was not ever finished. Although there were seven dedications carried out on the Navu Temple, the first one on the attic, the next five on various portions of the temple. Um, the last one on the entire temple Um, It still was not finished. And going to the BYU Special Collections um, website, I want to read you what it says about the Nauvoo Temple. This was from archives.lib.byu.edu, BOU Library Special Collections. Under Administrative History, it says the Nauvoo Temple, 1841 to 1850, in Nauvoo, Illinois, was the second temple to be built by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Never fully finished. It was set on fire by arsonists in 1848, and the building was destroyed in 1850. To add further testimony, Verse 45, and if my people, Indian C. 124, will hearken unto my voice, and unto the voice of my servants, whom I have appointed to lead my people, behold, verily I send to you, they shall not be moved out of their place. And so I ask you, did the Lord fight the battle of the Latter day Saints in Nauvoo, or were we smitten and driven? According to verse 32, if we didn't repent and return, and the sign given would be the completion of the Nauvoo Temple, we would stand rejected as a church with our dead. Can God lie? So now, if we go back to DNC 84, and we read again, verse 58 and 59 that they may bring forth fruit meat for their father's kingdom. Otherwise there remaineth a scourge and a judgment to be poured out upon the children of Zion. For shall the children of the kingdom pollute my holy land? Verily I say unto you, nay. Now getting back to third Nephi sixteen ten, which the father commanded Christ to declare to the Nephites that we might have The prophecy of what was to befall the Latter-day Saints. 3 Nephi 16.10. And thus commandeth the Father that I should say unto you. At that day, when the Gentiles, or at this time, it's actually members of the Church of Christ, shall sin against my gospel and shall reject the fullness of my gospel. Now, the fullness of my gospel is a key component. Because we only had the fullness of the terrestrial order on the earth from 1829 to May 1834. So we're talking about a very specific period in church history. And shall be lifted up in the pride of our hearts above all nations. Well, we come under condemnation in 1832 because of a refusal. To offer up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit. And what is the opposite of that? It is to harden our hearts. And Christ prophesies that that will be the the sin and the iniquity of the Gentiles or the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Instead of offering up broken hearts and contrite spirits, we will harden our hearts. Not only will we harden our hearts, but we will harden them above all nations. And above the people of the whole earth and shall be filled with all manner of lyings and of deceits. And I would call your mind backward. Were these not the same sins of the Jews during Christ day? And I would submit that the members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day saints are the Jews of Christ day. And of mischief and all manner of hypocrisy and murders. Remember what Moroni warned the members of the church about in ether chapter eight. Do not let these murderous combinations get above you in church power. <coughs> and priestcrafts and whoredoms and of secret abominations. And I would ask you if the, letter that I read to you, which was sent out on Thursday, August 12th, 2021, is not an example of the continuation of priestcrafts and murders and of secret abominations. And if they shall do all those things and shall reject the fullness of my gospel, behold, saith the Father, I will bring the fullness of my gospel from among them. Well, the fullness of the gospel was taken in May, 1834, and we exhausted our chances to repent and return and receive it back. And so the prophecy through Joseph Smith that we would be rejected as a church with our dead was fulfilled in Joseph Smith's day. However, in verse 13, but if the Gentiles will repent and return unto me, or if the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints will repent and return. And when specifically, if, if one knows the framework, this is talking specifically in our generation. When, as prophesied in DNC 101, verse 55, when Joseph Smith would return to finish the restoration open again the heavens, opening a new dispensation and restoring the light and knowledge of the fullness of the gospel again upon the earth. In that day, if the Gentiles would repent and return of their hard hearts or enter into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, or in other words, repent and return unto me, saith the Father, behold, they shall be numbered among my people, O house of Israel. And how would offering up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contract spirit among the Latter-day Saints allow us to be numbered among the house of Israel? Because when we receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, the Gentile blood is burned out of us, and we become blood Israel. And the prophecy is that there would be some Latter-day Saints who indeed would repent and would return. In 2 Nephi 28, again, Nephi seeing our day cries out to the Latter-day Saints that we might not be destroyed. And he says in verse 14, they were stiff necks and high heads. Isn't this what we just read in D&C 84 and 3 Nephi 16? They were stiff necks and high heads, which is the opposite of a broken heart and contrite spirit. Yea, and because of pride and wickedness and abominations and whoredoms, much as is described in 3 Nephi 16.10, they have all gone astray, and Nephi here saw our day, and he is is talking specifically about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and I will prove that in the coming verses. They have all gone astray, save it be a few who are the humble followers of Christ. Nevertheless, they are led that in many instances they do err because they are taught by the precepts of men. They're taught by the precepts of men. Going back to the letter of August 12th, who are we told that we should trust? Medical experts and government leaders. I would say are the heads of the big pharmaceutical companies and is the head of the great secret combination which resides in Washington DC and Wall Street <clears throat> are they hearkening unto god's counsel or or which god's counsel are they hearkening unto certainly not the god of this land who is jesus christ and again the humble followers of Christ do err because they are taught by the precepts of men. We're being told to trust in big pharma and the heads of the government of this nation over God. Verse 15. O the wise and the learned and the rich. For they tell us to trust in man And man's plan for the destruction of the earth's population that are puffed up in the pride of their hearts and all those who preach false doctrines and all those who commit whoredoms and pervert the right way of the Lord. Woe, woe, woe be unto them, saith the Lord God Almighty, for they shall be thrust down to hell. Woe unto them that turn aside the just for a thing of naught and revile against that which is good and say that it is of no worth. For the day shall come that the Lord will speedily visit the inhabitants of the earth, and in that day they are fully ripe in iniquity, they shall perish. Speaking of that day, JST Matthew 21. JST Matthew 21, verse 53 and the kingdom of God shall be taken from them. Christ is speaking, and he has been speaking to his apostles and also to the Pharisees of his day. And he's prophesying that the kingdom of God shall be taken from the Jews of his day and shall be given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. Okay, the fruits of the kingdom are that God's people receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, by entering into the sacrifice of a broken, heart and contrite spirit talking about the restoration of the gospel under Joseph Smith. And then in parentheses, it says, meaning the Gentiles, so that there could be no confusion about who this people are that the gospel is being restored to. And so that there could be no misunderstanding about the use of the term Gentiles in the last verse, verse 56. So it is established in verse 53 that the meaning of the term Gentiles is members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, because that's the only people in the last days that the fullness of the gospel is restored to. There aren't any other candidates. Wherefore, on whomsoever this stone shall fall, it shall grind him to powder. Christ has previously declared that he himself is the stone. And when the Lord thereof of the vineyard cometh, he will destroy those miserable wicked men talking about the husbandman in the vineyard at that day of his coming, which we and this generation are in that day. And these things must shortly come to pass. The miserable, wicked men, and will let again his vineyard unto other husbandmen. Well, who are these husbandmen That the Lord is calling miserable, wicked men. Even in the last days, who shall render him the fruits in their seasons? Now, these other husbandmen are the same that are referred to in D&C 101, verse 55. When we have the return of Joseph and the first labors in the last kingdom, at least their residue. All of those who qualified to return with Joseph Smith. So, Verse 54 declares that the stone who is Christ, who is returning, will destroy the miserable wicked men who are the husbandmen in the kingdom. So that's religious leadership. That's talking about the same men who issued the letter that went forth on August 12, 2021 to the members of the church around the world. And verse 56, and then understood they, the 12 apostles, the parable which he spake unto them that the Gentiles, or that the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, should be destroyed also, when the Lord should descend out of heaven to reign in his vineyard, which is the earth and the inhabitants thereof. Now, why is it that the Lord would destroy the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Well, remember back in DNC 84 that if we did not repent and return, there would be a scourge and a judgment to be poured out upon us. And this scourge and judgment culminates in what GST Matthew 21 says. Verse 56 terms the members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints and their leadership should be destroyed also. Let's go to DNC 45, verses 1 through 10. Hearken, O ye people of my church, to whom the kingdom has been given. Hearken and give ear to him who laid the foundation of the earth who made the heavens and the host thereof, and by whom all things were made, which live and move and have a being. And again, I say, hearken unto my voice, lest death shall overtake you. In an hour when ye think not, the summer shall be past, and the harvest ended, and your souls not saved. Listen to him who is the advocate with the Father, who is pleading your cause before him. And... Like much of the Doctrine Covenants, this did not, or this only has a cursory application to Joseph Smith's first ministry. It has direct application to Joseph Smith's second ministry, which is our generation. Saying, Father, behold the suffering and the death of him who did no sin, in whom thou wast well pleased. Behold the blood of thy son, which was shed, and the blood of him whom thou gavest that thyself might be glorified. Wherefore, Father, spare these my brethren that believe on my name that they may come unto me and have everlasting life. Well, those who believe on the name of Jesus Christ are those who enter into the new covenant and do what is required of them to come to a broken heart and contrite spirit that they might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. For these, Christ is pleading before Father and he will save his people the humble followers of Jesus Christ, who are few. Verse 5. Wherefore, Father, spare these my brethren that believe on my name that they may come unto me and have everlasting life. Hearken, O ye people of my church, and ye elders listen together, and hear my voice while it is called today, and harden not your hearts. For verily I see unto you that I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the light and the life of the world a light that shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. Or in other words, in the midst of the darkness and calamity and destruction which has come upon us and which is coming upon us, which will cover the whole earth. And from whence there will be no escape except in and through Jesus Christ. His power is more powerful than that of the adversary. And those who come unto him and enter into the covenant that he has given us, he will save and he will spare. Verse 8, I came not unto mine own, or I came unto mine own, and mine own received me not. But unto as many as received me, gave I power to do many miracles. And again, throughout the Book of Mormon, receiving Christ is. Entering into the covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy ghost and to become the sons of God. And even unto them that believed on my name, gave I power to obtain eternal life. And even so I have sent mine everlasting covenant into the world to be a light to the world and to be a standard for my people and for the Gentiles. Now this is Isaiah imagery, a standard and a banner. The return of Joseph Smith, the opening of the heavens, and declaring the doctrine of Christ. To be a standard for my people and for the Gentiles or the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to seek to it. Well, why would we need to seek to it if we've had it this whole time? Well, the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the doctrine of Christ is in the Book of Mormon. But it hasn't been taught in the curriculum of the church since the days of Joseph Smith. And to be a messenger before my face to prepare the way before me, wherefore come ye unto it and with him that cometh, I will reason as with men in days of old, and I will show unto you my strong reasoning. And verses 24 through 33. And this I have told you concerning Jerusalem. And when that day shall come, shall a remnant be scattered among all nations. That day is the, that day in which the okay. Lord comes. Not meaning literally that 24-hour period, but in that generation in which he comes. Verse 25. But they shall be gathered again. Israel shall be gathered again but they shall remain until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Well, the time of the Gentiles begins at the return of Joseph Smith. But upon his return, he's kept hidden as a polished shaft in the quiver of the Lord. And he doesn't come on the scene until the entire world is in bondage, which we are quickly moving toward. But as he's being kept as a, polished shaft in the quiver of the Lord, hidden from the world. Once he is again, for a second time, ordained and sealed to the first order of Melchizedek of the apostolic order, we have the opening of a new dispensation. And it is again possible to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and enter into the rest of the Lord. And this is the time of the Gentiles. But the time of the Gentiles has an end. And we are quickly nearing the time where the time of the end of the Gentiles will end. Verse 26, and in that day shall be heard of wars and rumors of wars. The time of the end of the time of the Gentiles. And the whole earth shall be in commotion and men's hearts shall fail them. And they shall say that Christ is coming until the end of the earth and the love of men shall wax cold and iniquity shall abound. And when the time of the Gentiles is come in, Joseph Smith in his second ministry, a light shall shall break forth among them that sit in darkness. Now the first people to whom the light breaks forth who sit in darkness are the Latter-day Saints because we are the Jews of the Latter-days and before the fullness of the gospel can go to the rest of the earth and before the commencement of the final gathering of Israel, the Latter-day Saints have to be given the opportunity to either accept or reject the fullness of the gospel. And when the time of the Gentiles is come in, a light shall break forth among them that sit in darkness, because the heavens are again opened, and the doctrine of Christ again is taught in power and authority. And it shall be the fullness of my gospel. But... They receive it not talking about the church collectively and not individually. For they perceive not the light and they turn their hearts from me because of the precepts of men. A prime example is the letter of August 12th that I just read. And in that generation shall the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. The time of the Gentiles being fulfilled. And we are speedily coming to that moment. And that time is the final separation of the wheat and tares from among the Latter-day Saints. And that's why the cleansing begins in the Lord's own house. And there shall be men standing in that generation that shall not pass until they shall see an overflowing scourge for a desolating sickness shall cover the land. But my disciples stand in holy places, and shall not be moved. But among the wicked, men will lift up their voices and curse God and die. Among the wicked, talking about among the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And there shall be earthquakes also in diverse places. So not only are we going to suffer the ravages of these man-made plagues, including both those that they release from laboratories and administer to us in their vaccines. But there will also be great natural disaster and there shall be earthquakes also in diverse places and many desolations. Yet men will harden their hearts against me and they will take up the sword one against another and they will kill one another. And in DNC, 112, verses 24 through 26. Behold, vengeance cometh speedily upon the inhabitants of the earth, a day of wrath, a day of burning, a day of desolation, of weeping, of mourning, and of lamentation. And as a whirlwind, it shall come upon all the face of the earth, saith the Lord. And upon my house shall it begin. My house being defined in the parable of the redemption of Zion and 101 is among the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, because even though... We stand rejected as a church with our dead. Yet the Lord still calls the LDS church my house. He continues to gather his people into it because it still contains the Aaronic priesthood and it still contains the fullness of the gospel recorded in the scriptures of the restoration. And it is to these people that the light first breaks forth to restore the fullness of the gospel. If they will not harden their hearts but will soften their hearts and receive it. Behold, vengeance cometh speedily upon the inhabitants of the earth, a day of wrath, a day of burning, a day of desolation, of weeping, of mourning, and of lamentation. And as a whirlwind, it shall come upon all the face of the earth, saith the Lord. And upon my house shall it begin, and from my house shall it go forth, saith the Lord. First among those among you, saith the Lord, who have professed to know my name and have not known me. And have blasphemed against me in the midst of my house, saith the Lord. Well, what does it mean to blaspheme against the Lord in the midst of his house? It means to proclaim that you have power and authority from God to act in his name, knowing full well that you do not. And regarding that, if we go to DNC 101, those who have blasphemed against me in the midst of my house, or those who claim that they have power and authority to act in the name of God among the Latter-day Saints, but know full well that they do not. Verse 55 in D&C 101. And the Lord of the vineyard said unto one of his servants, and we learn in D&C 103, verse 21, that this is Joseph Smith Jr. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you that my servant Joseph Smith Jr. is the man to whom I liken the servant, to whom the Lord of the vineyard spake in the parable which I've given unto you. The Lord said of the vineyard said unto one of his servants in his return a second time, go and gather together the residue of my servants, take all the strength of my house, which are my warriors, my young men, they that are of middle age, also among all my servants who are the strength of mine house, save those only whom I've appointed to tarry and go ye straight into the land of my vineyard, redeem my vineyard for it is mine. I have bought it with money. Therefore get ye straightway into the land, break down the walls of mine enemies. Who are these enemies? They're the same that, blaspheme against the Lord in the midst of his house or those who claim to have power and authority to act in his name who know that they do not among the Latter-day Saints. Break down the walls of mine enemies, those who blaspheme against my name. Throw down their towers, scatter their watchmen, and inasmuch as they gather together against you, avenge me of mine enemies that by and by I may come with the residue of my house and possess the land. Therefore, I must gather together my people, according to the parable of the wheat and the tares. And this is what happens at the end of the time of the Gentiles. And this is the time that we were quickly coming to. That the wheat may be secured in the gardens to possess eternal life, i.e. led out on an end-time exodus by the Lord's end-time servant, Joseph Smith and be crowned with celestial glory when I shall come in the kingdom of my father to reward every man according to his work shall be. Verse 66, while the tares shall be bound in bundles, their bands made strong that they may be burned with unquenchable fire. This is the separation of the wheat and tares from the Latter-day Jews or the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And as Christ says in JST Matthew 21, Verse 55, he will destroy those miserable, wicked men, the husbandmen, in his vineyard in that day of the end of the time of the Gentiles. And verse 56, that the Gentiles, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, should be destroyed also with the leadership when the Lord should descend out of heaven to reign in his vineyard. Going back to 2 Nephi 28, and Nephi's prophecy to us of our day. Verse 21, And others will he pacify, and lull them away into carnal security. That they will say, All is well in Zion, yea, Zion prospereth. All is well, and thus the devil cheateth their souls, and leadeth them away carefully down to hell. And verse 24, Therefore, woe be unto them that are at ease in Zion. Just so there's no misunderstanding about the group of people that Nephi is talking about. It's those who claim to have established Zion, which is the Latter-day Saints. Woe be unto him that crieth all is well. Yea, woe be unto him that hearkeneth unto the precepts of men and denieth the power of God and the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the doctrine of the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, through offering up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit that we might go on to enter into the rest of the Lord has not been taught in the church since the days of Joseph Smith. Yea, woe be unto him that hearkeneth unto the precepts of men and denieth the power of God and the gift of the Holy Ghost. Yea, woe be unto him that saith we have received and we need no more. This is not talking about the non-Latter-day Saints who say we have a Bible. And we don't need a Book of Mormon. this is talking about members of the church who proclaim we have lesson manuals and conference talks and letters encouraging us to take the vaccine, and we need no and we need no more. We don't even have to verify with Father if these things are correct, because we would do anything that our leaders told us to do regardless of whether or not they speak by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. And in fine, woe be unto all those who are tremble and are angry because of the truth of God. For behold, he that is built upon the rock receiveth it with gladness. And he that is built upon a sandy foundation trembleth, lest he shall fall. Woe be unto him that shall say, we have received the word of God and we need no more the word of God. For when Russell M. Nelson has spoken, the case is closed and it mattereth not what the spirit says. And we need no more the word of God, for we have enough. And verse 31. Cursed is he that putteth his trust in man, or maketh flesh his arm, or shall hearken unto the precepts of men, save their precepts shall be given by the power of the Holy Ghost. So are we to reject any word that is uttered by a man or a woman? No. If they're uttered by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost, we are to receive them with gladness. What we are to reject are the words that are uttered by men and women who speak not by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. That is what it means to put our trust in man, to maketh flesh our arm, and hearken unto the precepts of men, which is an abomination. But if the Latter-day Saints will not exercise discernment, they will never know one who speaketh by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost and one who does not. How will they ever discern? Joseph Smith, the true prophet, when he comes back again on the scene to rescue the Latter-day Saints who will be in bondage and lead them out on an exodus. Verse 32. Woe be unto the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Gentiles. Saith the Lord, God of hosts, for notwithstanding, I shall lengthen out my arm unto them from day to day. They will deny me. Nevertheless, I will be merciful unto them, saith the Lord God, if they will repent and come unto me. For mine arm is lengthened out all the day long, saith the Lord God of hosts. But that lengthening of the arm has an end, and the end is the end of the day of the Gentiles, when that separation between the wheat and the tares will be accomplished. Now, let's go to Helaman chapter 13. In Helaman chapter 13, we have the words of Samuel the Lamanite to the Nephites. And the words of Samuel the Lamanite to the Nephites are as applicable to the Latter-day Saints today as they were to the Nephites at the time that they were spoken by Samuel the Lamanite. So Helaman chapter 13, verses 21 through 30. Ye, the people of this great city, and hearken unto my words. Yea, hearken unto the words which the Lord saith. For behold, he saith that ye are cursed because of your riches, and also are your riches cursed because ye have set your hearts upon them, and ye have not hearkened unto the words of him who gave them unto you. Ye do not remember the Lord your God in the things which he hath blessed you, but ye do always remember your riches not to thank the Lord your God for them. Yea, your hearts are not drawn out unto the Lord, but they do swell with great pride unto boasting, and unto great swelling, envying, strifes, malice, persecutions, and murders, and all manner of iniquities. For this cause hath the Lord God caused, that a curse should come upon the land, and also upon your riches, and this because of your iniquities. Yea, woe unto this people because of this time which has arrived. That ye do cast out the prophets and do mock them and cast stones at them and do slay them and do all manner of iniquity unto them, even as they did of old time. And now, when ye talk, ye say, If our days had been in the days of our fathers, of old we would not have slain the prophets, we would not have stoned them and cast them out. Behold, ye are worse than they. For as the Lord liveth, if a prophet come among you and declareth unto you the word of the Lord, Which testifieth of your sins and iniquities, ye are angry with him, and ye cast him out, and seek all manner of ways to destroy him. Yea, you will say that he is a false prophet, and that he is a sinner, and that, and of the devil, because he testifieth that your deeds are evil. But behold, if a man shall come among you and shall say, Do this, and there is no iniquity; do that, and ye shall not suffer. Yea, he will say, Walk after the pride of your own hearts. Yea, walk after the pride of your eyes, and do whatsoever your heart desireth. And if a man shall come among you and say this, you will receive him and say that he is a prophet. Yea, you will lift him up, and you will give unto him of your substance, at least 10%. And you will give unto him of your gold and your silver, and you will clothe him with costly apparel, because he speaketh flattering words unto you, and he saith that all is well. Then you will not find fault with him. O oh, ye wicked and ye perverse generation, ye hardened and ye stiff-necked people, how long will ye suppose that the Lord will suffer you? Yea, how long will ye you suffer yourselves to be led by foolish and blind guides? Yea, how long will ye choose darkness rather than light? Yea, behold, the anger of the Lord is already kindled against you. Behold, he hath cursed the land because of your iniquity. And thirty-six. Oh that we had repented in that day, that the word of the Lord came unto us. For behold, the land is cursed, and all things are become slippery, and we cannot hold them. Behold, we are surrounded by demons. Yea, we are encircled about by the angels of him who hath sought to destroy our souls. Behold, our iniquities are great. O Lord, canst thou not turn away thine anger from us? And this shall be your language in those days. But behold, your days of probation are past ye have procrastinated the day of your salvation until it is everlastingly too late, and your destruction is made sure, yea, ye have sought all the day of your lives for that which ye could not obtain. And ye have sought for happiness in doing iniquity, which thing is contrary to the nature of that righteousness which is in our great and eternal head. O ye people of the land, that ye would hear my words, and I pray that the anger of the Lord be turned away from you, and that ye would repent and be saved. For the people of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, there is still the opportunity to repent and return. The summer has not yet ended, and the way is still possible. Jeremiah chapter 21. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 1. Woe unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel against the pastors that feed my people. Now, as we're going to see, this has an end time context. Um, verse 20. The anger of the Lord shall not return until he have executed, till he have performed the thoughts of his heart in the latter days You shall consider it perfectly. And we're about to get into the end time Exodus talked about in D and C one Oh three to be led by Joseph Smith. So Jeremiah 23, the entire chapter is, um, has an end time setting even in our generation, because it's in our generation in which Joseph Smith will lead the end time Exodus. And he's talking about that time directly before the end time Exodus. Which is today. Verse 2 Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, against the pastors that feed my people ye have scattered my flock and driven them away, and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doing, saith the Lord. And I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries, whithersoever I've driven them, and will bring them again to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. Now, this is talking about the gathering of Israel that commences on the end-time exodus. And I will set up shepherds over them which shall feed them. These are the other husbandmen, as Christ declared in GST Matthew 21, that he will turn over his vineyard too. And they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. Behold, the days cometh, saith the Lord, that I will raise up unto David a righteous branch. Now this righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. The branch is um, Jesus Christ. and But the king is talking about the Lord's end-time servant. And so Christ gives him uh, one of his titles for he is to prepare the way before him in the last days in his days, Judah shall be saved and Israel shall dwell safely. Well, Judah is saved and Israel dwell dwell safely because with the beginning of the end time Exodus, Israel begins to be gathered. And once new Jerusalem is established, um, Servants will be sent to the Jews to separate the wheat and the tares among them to build up Jerusalem, old Jerusalem, to be again a holy city and to build that temple, which will precede Christ coming in his glory. And this is the name whereby he shall be called the Lord, our righteousness. And, you know, the same title is used for the end time servant in Isaiah. Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that they shall no more say the Lord liveth which brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Talking again about the end time exodus that Joseph Smith will lead for after this exodus, it will so eclipse because it's a worldwide event. The exodus of the children of Israel out of Egypt, that from that time forth, the end time exodus will be the exodus referenced. But the Lord liveth, which brought up and which led the seed of the house of Israel out of the north country. Talking about on the Exoduses, um, the lost 10 tribes of Israel will be brought to New Jerusalem. And from all countries, whithersoever I had driven them, and they shall dwell in their own land. Mine heart within me is broken because of the prophets. All my bones shake. I am like a drunken man and like a man whom wine hath overcome because of the Lord and because of the words of his holiness for the land is full of adulterers. And because of swearing the land mourneth the pleasant places of the wilderness are dried up and their course is evil and their force is not right for both prophet and priest are profane in my house. Have I found their wickedness? saith the Lord, wherefore, Their ways shall be unto them as slippery ways in the darkness. They shall be driven on and fall therein. And I will bring evil upon them even the year of their visitation, saith the Lord. And I've seen folly in the prophets of Samaria. They prophesied of Baal and caused my people Israel to err. I've seen also the prophets of Jerusalem and horrible thing. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They strengthen also the hands of evildoers that none doth return from his wickedness. They are all of them unto me as Sodom. Now, I would hearken back to the warning that the Lord gave um, back in 1829, that if the saints hardened their hearts and would not repent in return, um, that they would be delivered up unto Satan, for um, we had become as Sodden. Back to verse 14. They are all of them unto me as Sodom, and the inhabitants thereof as Gomorrah. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets, behold, I will feed them with wormwood and make them drink the water of Gaul. And from the prophets of Jerusalem is profaneness gone forth into all the land. Remember that we are the Jews of this generation. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, hearken not unto the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you, they make you vain. They speak a vision of their own heart and not out of the mouth of the Lord. They say still unto them that despise me, the Lord hath said, ye shall have peace. And they say unto everyone that walketh after the imagination of his own heart, no evil shall come unto you for woe for who has stood in the council of the Lord and hath perceived and heard his word who hath marked his word and heard it saying, which of these men who proclaim themselves to be prophets have testified that they have stood in the presence of the Lord and told you about that experience. Well, according to Dallin H. Oaks, nobody that he knows of has stood in the presence of the Lord. Behold, a whirlwind of the Lord is gone forth in fury, even a grievous whirlwind. It shall fall grievously upon the head of the wicked. And the anger of the Lord shall not return until he have executed, until he have performed the thoughts of his heart. In the latter days, ye shall consider it perfectly. I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken unto them, yet they prophesy. But if they had stood in my counsel... And it caused my people to hear my words, then they should have turned them from their evil way and from their evil doings. Am I a God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him? saith the Lord, Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord. I have heard what the prophet said that prophesy lies in my name, saying, "I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall this be in the heart of the prophets that prophesy lies? Yea, they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart, which think to cause my people to forget my name by their dreams, which they tell every man to his neighbor, as their fathers have forgotten my name for Baal. The prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a dream, and he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat, saith the Lord? Is not my word like a fire, saith the Lord? and like a hammer that breaketh the rocks in pieces. Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, saith the Lord, that steal my words, every one from his neighbor. And is that not exactly what happens in general conference? Is there not incessant quoting one and other, and seldom going to scripture, and even more seldom quoting that scripture in its actual context? Verse 31, Behold, I am against the prophet, the prophet saith the Lord, that use their tongues and say he saith. Behold, I am against them that prophesy false dreams, saith the Lord, and do tell them, and cause my people to err by their lies and by their likeness. Yet I sent them not, nor commanded them, therefore they shall not profit this people at all, saith the Lord. And when this people or the prophet or a priest shall ask thee, saying, What is the burden of the Lord? thou shalt then say unto them what burden i will even forsake you saith the lord and as for the prophet and the priest and the people that shall say the burden of the lord i will even punish that man and his house thus shall ye say every one to his neighbor and every one to his brother what hath the lord answered and what hath the lord spoken and the burden of the lord shall ye mention no more for every man's word shall be his burden, for ye have perverted the words of the living God and of the Lord, hosts of our God. Jeremiah is saying, O you Latter-day Saints, why do ye not discern that your leaders speak not by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost, and you would follow them blindly even down unto destruction, rather than hearken to the voice of the Spirit and be clasped in the arms of Jesus? which arms are extended yet still to you. Thus shalt thou say unto the prophet, what hath the Lord answered thee? And what hath the Lord spoken? But since ye say the burden of the Lord, therefore thus saith the Lord, because ye say this word, the burden of the Lord, I have not sent you saying, ye shall not say the burden of the Lord. Therefore behold, I even, I will utterly forget you and I will forsake you and the city that I gave you and your fathers and cast you out of my presence. And I will bring an everlasting reproach upon you and a perpetual shame, which shall not be forgotten.